Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam Harris. And I'm Kim Montague. And we're here to suggest that mathematizing is about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. We answer the question, if not algorithms, then what? In today's podcast, we're going to talk about what it means to teach real math. So Pam, you say math is figureoutable. What is that all about? Yeah, so Math is Figureoutable is kind of my tagline. It's the website, mathisfigureoutable.com. And what I mean by that is actually it's kind of my story. So, of course, you know, you're listening to this podcast. You're like, well, Pam, we all teach math. Of course, we believe that math is figureoutable. However, I'm going to admit that as a student and far too long as a young teacher, I actually believed that math is rote memorizable. Like, if you would have asked me at the time, I would have said, of course, math is figureoutable. I do a lot of figuring. And I did. I did a lot of figuring. I worked hard at math. But I, what I worked hard at was following steps. I worked hard at knowing what rule to apply when and how to make sure that the that, that I did all of the correct steps in that rule and that then I circled the answer. Like The math I was doing was really more about rote memorizing what someone told me to do and knowing when to do which rule. And it was really less than what I think math is now. Now I'm really clear that math is figureoutable, that it's a whole lot more about using relationships and connections to solve problems. So it's kind of a big deal to me that math is figureoutable, not rote memorizable. I've also heard you mention real math and fake math. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and sometimes it gets me a little bit of trouble because people <laughs> are like, real math, fake math. So I define real math as using relationships and connections you own to solve problems and in the process, creating new math. Now, not maybe new math for the world that the world has never seen, but for sure new math for the learner. Like you've created new neural connections, new networks in your brain about how you think and reason because as you solve problems, then you notice patterns and you use those to solve problems. That creates new connections in your brain. So real math is about using relationships and connections you own to solve problems. Fake math, on the other hand, is that stuff that I learned in school. Fake math is a disconnected set of facts to memorize and rules and procedures to mimic. That's what I did. That's, I think, what most of us did in school, or at least most of us put on paper in school. Like Kim, for example, I don't think 
you were doing fake math in your head, but you for sure were clear that what your teachers wanted you to show on your paper was the fake math, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But you were more doing real mathy kinds of things in your head. Am I assuming correctly that you kind of thought the rest of us were too? Yes. Yeah. I thought everybody was messing with numbers. Yeah. And some of us weren't. (laughs) (laughs) But I do now. And the exciting part is now I can. I can do every uh, a bit of much mathematizing that you were doing, that anybody else is doing. I just needed to know it was a thing. I needed to know that it's not about mimicking. It's more about what I was thinking and what I am thinking and the relationships I'm using. You know, it's almost like we need a verb to talk about what we're doing when we do that real math. Ooh, nicely said. Yeah. So I'm going to quote Kathy Fosno right now. Kathy Fosno is one of our favorite elementary math researchers. Mm-hmm. She coined a word, mathematize. She said that we need a verb, exactly like you said, to describe what mathematicians do when they do what they do. Because y'all think about it. When we teach kids to read, they read. When we teach kids to write, they write. When we teach kids to do math, they like we don't have a verb for that. So could we say they mathematize? I think we can we need a verb that represents what mathematicians do when they do their thing. So like picture. What does a mathematician do when they go to work? So yeah, picture whoever you think a mathematician looks like. I don't know, maybe Mr. Rogers kind of looking guy. Now it doesn't <laughs> obviously have to be, right? Uh, I'm a mathematician. I'm a, I'm a woman. It could We could have any kind of, but picture sort of what you kind of think a mathematician looks like. And they're going to work. They go to work. They open the door. They walk in their office. They sit down. What is the work of the day for a mathematician? Does, does a mathematician look at one through 29 odd. They say to themselves, I need to solve these problems today. And and they look at the problems that they have to solve and they say, oh yeah, let's see, how do I do these? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they reach up and they grab a textbook off of their shelf and they open it up to the page and they see a rule in a box that will exactly solve those problems. And they see three worked examples and all the steps are there. And so So for their work of the day, that mathematician sits down for one through 29 odd and they say to themselves, okay, for number one, I'm going to use this rule. I'm going to follow these steps and and I'm going to show each one of the steps. I'm going to mimic what someone has done before by following these steps and I'm going to circle the answer. And then at the end of the day, they kind of put their papers together, they stack them up and they've done their work. They put the textbook back on the shelf and then they they leave. Is that what a mathematician does when they go to, of course not, like you're like ridiculing me right now. Of course, a mathematician doesn't do that when they go to work. Of, co- of course, mathematicians don't mimic. Like the epitome of what they don't do, no mathematician would get paid for solving pre-solved problems using someone's predetermined set of steps to use. That would be ridiculous. No one would pay anybody to do that. So what do we pay mathematicians to do when they mathematize? Mathematicians solve problems. Mathematicians look at relationships and connections and they use what they know. They bring their unique backgrounds, their creative juices to solve problems or maybe to prove already solved problems. But but when they do that, they seek for clever, elegant, sophisticated solutions. They absolutely don't just repeat what someone else has done. No one would pay them to do that. So we think that we can get kids to mathematize at their grade level, that they can actually use what they know to solve problems and mathematize just like mathematicians are. That's so great. You, a few minutes ago, said uh, the word writing and, and writers. One of my favorite stories I've almost ever heard you share is about your experience as a young writer. Will you tell the listeners about that? 
Yeah, you bet. So I'm a I'm an author. I have written several books, and um, so I'm a writer. Yeah, it's like I, I said a minute ago. When we teach kids to write, they write. Well, so how did I become a writer? Maybe you had a good senior English teacher. Maybe you had a really good um, English experience at your university. How did I become a writer? I became a writer. My best mentor was my college freshman roommate, which might sound a little bit silly, but uh, as a college freshman, I had a roommate. She was a junior. She was an English major. And um, I had to write my first paper. And so writing that first paper, uh, I, I knew how to play the game. I knew how to get a better grade. You have someone read it. They correct your punctuation and their spelling, and then you get a better grade. And so I said to my college freshman roommate, hey, Melissa, you are an English major. Would you proofread my paper? And then I'll get a better grade on this paper. And she said, so, I, you know, like, <clears throat> we're going to be roommates all year. And so we want to get along. And so let's just lay some groundwork. Like, do you want this to be a good paper or do you just want me to correct your punctuation and spelling? Well, I didn't even know the difference. I was like, ah, oh, let's make it a good paper. Go for the gusto. Give me the full treatment. Like, let's let's do it. And she said, okay, just so like we've laid the groundwork. I'm going to, you know, like, I'm not just going to correct your punctuation and spelling. We're going to make this a good paper. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She read my paper. She handed it back to me. I said, Melissa, there's no red marks and cross the Addies. Like, what do I change? She goes, it's bad. I said, but there's <laughs> no red marks and cross the Addies. Like, what do I change? She goes, no, it's that bad. Y'all, I was like surprised, shocked. I mean, I've written a lot of papers. And she said, Pam, why do you want to be a teacher? The paper was about why I wanted to be a teacher. And I don't know that I'd ever really expressed why I wanted to be a teacher. I for sure knew it. I had it up in my head, but I hadn't ever really talked about it. I definitely hadn't ever written about it. And so she very wisely said to me, tell me, tell me why you want to be a teacher. And she began to pull out of me my ideas. And I began to sort of haltingly talk about wanting to be a teacher. And then as I, as I talked, the passion came out and I got more excited and I, I got more clarity about why I wanted to be a teacher. And I, I talked about it all. And, then, and she said, Oh, Oh, that, that right there, that go write that. I said, that I, I didn't write that already. No, that wasn't there. Go write that. Okay, fine. I'll go write that. I rewrote the paper. I handed it to her. She handed it back to me. She said, why do you want to be a teacher again? I'm like, really? It's that bad? She goes, yeah, just tell Why do you want to be a teacher again? And so again, I began to talk about why I want to be a teacher. That, that right there, Pam, go write about that. All right, all right, all right. So I went back, rewrote the paper, handed it back to her. She circled three or four sentences. These are any good. The rest of it's trash. Why do you want to be a teacher again? It got me again to talk about it. And the more that I talked about why I want to be a teacher, the more clarity I got around the ideas that were floating around in my head, the the passion that was really burning inside of me that I was able to then more put it on paper. Y'all, I think it was the seventh or eighth iteration when she finally handed it back to me with all the red marks and cross the outies and I could begin to correct the grammar and the punctuation and the spelling and, and really make it a good paper. I wrote a really good paper about why I wanted to be a math teacher. But the way I did it was that I was mentored by a more knowledgeable other. Somebody knew her craft, knew what it meant was able to pull out of me uh, something worth saying before then I could actually craft it and make it uh, be said well. And so how did I become a writer? I became a writer by being mentored. Could we mentor mathematicians? Could we help our students become mathematicians? Now, sometimes people will say to me, Pam, Pam, my kids aren't becoming mathematicians. You don't know my population. So hang on. I didn't mean mathematicians to be not in the future. I mean mathematicians in the here and now. I want to create kids that are mathematizing at a second grade level, kids that are mathematizing at a sixth grade level, algebra one students mathematizing algebra one content. It's it's the idea that could they mathematize their world at the level that they are. So 
I think we can teach real math, not fake math. It's not about telling math. It's about experiencing real math. I think we can get kids to mathematize at their level, that they can literally use the relationships and connections they own to create new math for them. Now, that's not crazy outside the standards. I think we're actually doing this within the standards, that kids are actually solving problems that they would be solving at their grade level, but using the things they know. And as they do that, they're creating relationships in their head. They're constructing literally the standards that they're supposed to learn that year. And that as we do that, we can mentor mathematicians. So, y'all, if you like the podcast, we'd love it if you'd go to your favorite podcast place and like it and give us a review so more people can find it. Check out our website, mathisfigureoutable.com. We'd like to invite you to join us on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for a hashtag math strat chat, where we chat about strategies. I throw out a problem to the world and people throw in their solutions and we chat with each other about how they're thinking and reasoning about how they are mathematizing so we can mentor more mathematicians. So if you're interested to learn more math and you want to help students become the mathematicians they can be, then the Math is Figure Outable podcast is for you because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.